Hello, welcome to my podcast. This is Coffee and Books by Scott. Today we are discussing Man and His Symbols, written by Carl Jung. Of course, Carl is most famous for his psychology. Um, This book in particular has five different parts to it, which I hope to discuss today. Uh, Part one is the approach to the unconsciousness. Uh, Part two is explaining ancient myths and modern man. Uh, Part three is the process of individualization. And part four is the symbolism and visual arts. And last but not least, part five is the symbols and an individual analysis. Okay, so with that, let's begin and start with part one. Uh, Actually, real quick before we begin, I want to thank everyone for listening and subscribing and, of course, for uh, leaving voice messages. Uh, Shout out to my buddy Regis, who had recently left a voice message for me on the Anchor podcast, so we really appreciate that here. Okay, so back to part one, approaching the unconsciousness. So what I've done is, since this book I read a while ago, and since I'm taking a long time on my last book, which is Vanished Kingdoms, I just made n- quick notes about each individual chapter. So we're going to kind of go through a short overview. I'm definitely not a psychologist or an expert in dreams, but I just wrote down interesting facets, I think, that the average person might want to know about. So part one is that animals and groups of four are representative of religion. Uh, For example, the Egyptian god Horus and animals, Um, he usually comes in packs of four. And also, if you look at the uh, Chartres Cathedral, it has four evangelists, Uh, I can't say that word, sorry. And uh, so you have the different uh, people on there, such as uh, John, um, Luke, and uh, they appear as different animals, such as a lion, as Mark. Uh, Luke is an ox, and an eagle is John, just to give an example of this. This is a common uh, source in all religions, but that was just to give two as an example. Okay, another interesting facet later on in a chapter is what's called disassociation. Um, That's actually the splitting of a psyche. Um, So a great fictional example of this is Jekyll and Hyde, where you see two different personalities in the same person. Um, Another aspect, though, which I find very interesting is the fact that both men and women have a little bit of the feminine and masculine personality inside of each of them. So, in other words, me being a masculine person, I also would have some feminine attributes in my personality, but the majority of what I'm thinking about is from a masculine perspective, and it's the same for women, so the majority of women would think in a feminine perspective, but they would have a minority masculine side too. Okay, and that comes into play, of course, in anything, which we might talk about later, like, uh, for example, sirens um, in Greek mythology are a good example of this, how men who are often lost at sea and who often perish dreamt of sirens um, as a feminine aspect that was in their personality. That's what the imagination can make up. Okay, so another common um, dream, or common dreams that people have are, um, you know, growing larger, um, flying, uh, you know, like changing shape, stuff of that nature. Okay, so that's all part one. That was just a quick summary there. Uh, Part two is the ancient myths and modern man.
So, of course, the ancient myth that I think everyone can relate to is the hero. Um, a very popular example of this is Hercules. So, Hercules always has to rescue the damsel in distress. We've all seen the Disney movie. Uh, but in particular, that's you know, a pretty important aspect. There's heroes in every culture, everywhere you go. Hero is a very popular um, ancient myth. Um, another example I like to give is the example of the trickster. Um, if you watch Marvel movies or you know anything about Norse mythology, Loki is the god of you know, being a trickster. Um, okay, so then modern groups, another interesting fact I found was that modern groups use totems uh, such as like an emblem. So, for example, one thing I like to use is that like the royal symbols of a house are going to represent animals. But you could also find this not only there, but in, you know, for instance, professional sports and sporting leagues, you know, like you have a symbol which could be represented by an animal. Um, so, for example, in soccer, we have the uh, the city of Rome has a soccer team, Roma. Um, they have the, the foundation of Rome was based on, uh, you know, a she-god wolf um, who of course, you know, nurse two children which would grow on to found Rome and this wolf is seen on their emblem as well. So not only does it represent the royal acrostic side or atacrystic side, but it also represents, you know, the modern side. So anything from college teams to uh, modern political houses have emblems and you can go to anywhere in the world and you could probably find something similar to this. Okay, so another aspect I found fascinating was the sacrifice, which is considered a symbol of man's spiritual uh, nature over his animal animality. So, for example, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, an example I like to give is the Persian god Mithras, which sacrifices the bull. So, this is showing, in short, that, you know, man is conscious of what he is doing, and he's able to control something, like, in this case, his animal you know, like, sorry, I'm stumbling here while I'm explaining this, but essentially how I view it is the person is in control of what is happening, and therefore they have control over nature. And so this is best represented by the god Mithras in Persian mythology. Um, other interesting facts, um, a lonely journey in your dreams can represent, like, liberation, like, or... Uh, transcendence. Uh, another example of this would be Dante's Inferno. Um, you know, Dante, very famous author, wrote many famous uh, plays, you know, The Divine Comedy, which is describing his journey into hell, purgatory, and eventually heaven. Um, this long journey was taken by himself, and of course he wrote down, you know, you know his stories, but you know, it represents a, a liberation, you know, how he felt in his life, and it's a good to see his insights. Um, the Roman god Mercury, and I know I'm jumping around a lot here, so you have to be bear with me. The Roman god Mercury has wings, uh, so this symbol, symbolizes animals. If we go back to totems, it represents like a bird. So, again, seen in mythology. Okay, part three, the process of individualization. Okay, so a round square or structure symbolizes the self, which I thought was very interesting in a dream. So, like, if you dream of an altar, or you're dreaming of something like a vase or something that's round, that's usually 
um, your subconscious telling you a message. Um, a king who has fallen ill can represent emptiness and boredom. I thought that was another interesting dream people have. Like if you dream of someone who is ill, like a king, you know, this can represent something in your own life right now. Um, and this is one is probably the one I find most fascinating out of the whole book. Was It's called The Collective Infection. Uh, the Collective Infection is what turns people into the mob that you know, like you would see in violence. So in every personality, there's a darker side to your personality, which is called the shadow, the dark side of your ego. And it's what makes you vulnerable to being in a mob. And so a great example of this is, uh, you know, like uh, movements that are hate groups. Uh, this type of mentality is what makes you weakened to that point that you are more suggested to incite violence. So I just thought that was very interesting. Um, the unconscious represents, uh, is represented by corridors, mazes, labyrinths. So any type of dreams about like a maze, like if you're lost in a maze, it, you know, is representing your unconsciousness. Um, uh, another aspect of political culture I thought was fascinating was rather than face our defects, we project that onto our political enemies. And I think this is something I want to take a moment to pause on here and explain. I think the biggest problem with politics in general isn't that anyone is willing to admit that they're wrong. It's just that they're willing to say that the other side is what's messed up. And that's my whole point, is that you're projecting what is wrong, but only you're projecting yourself onto the other group of people. And so you're never really going to get better unless you can say, okay, this is how I own up to my problems and what we can do to fight it. Um, okay, so one last example I have. Of course, um, I apologize. Let me, I got to get back to where I was here. Okay, an example of a negative... Uh, female aspect in a male psyche we said with sirens earlier but a, a negative aspect of a male in a female psyche is um, in the Heathcliff and he's the protagonist of Wuthering Heights um, so I just thought that was interesting that there are examples of both um, I've not read Wuthering Heights but you know I, I could get the basis based on that summary um, okay so Part four is the symbolism in visual arts. This is going to be the shortest chapter I explain, mainly because I don't know a lot about art and art history. I love art, though, and I would love to learn more, so we'll see if we come back to that later. Um, the biggest takeaway I learned from this is that the ren Renaissance period in our civilization's history uh, took an interest in outer reality and turned artists away from the imaginative to nature. So you'll notice that during, you know, our early civilizations, art focused on the fantasy. And then during the Renaissance, it became more about the reality. And then, of course, in modern paintings, we kind of shifted away from the reality. So again, so this is, you know, best represented by modern paintings, like, you know, Jackson Pollock, who painted in a trance. And, you know, most modern artwork is like that. But another aspect I found fascinating was how photography has taken over, uh, you know, like the painting and sculpting way of life of expression. I mean, obviously, all three are very important, and I love all three of them. But what I thought was most fascinating is that photography can be seen as a way of expressing a photographer's emotion 
and that this is the most clear way of doing that. So painting and sculpting are ways of expression, but photography is the way to express what the photographer is thinking. So just thought that was really fascinating as well. All right, and lastly, we have part five, uh, symbols and an individual analysis. And so this is going to be harder to explain, but I'll do my best here. Um, The crescent shape, for example, is linked to the moon, as we all know, because we've seen the moon and what it looks like when it's a crescent shape. But what I did not know is that the the moon is considered feminine and the sun is considered masculine. So the feminine side, a.k.a. the moon, is best represented by the goddess of Ishtar of Babylon. So if you go to ancient Babylon, her crown is actually a crescent, which is very interesting to me. Uh, Pig can, you know, connotate or mean lustfulness. I thought that was interesting. Um, Green vegetation. If you dream of like green and vegetation, that's a symbol of hope. A, uh, A coat, like if you're wearing a coat, it can symbolize like the mask that you wear as a persona. To the outer world so you know obviously we all have personalities that we have that are our individual selves but some of us you know when we go out into the real world we present a mask uh, of what it is you know that maybe always be happy and do that uh, this is best symbolized as wearing a coat um, and then of course uh, the finale i have the final fact i have is that locomotives or you know transportation is seen as an image of a driving force and dynamic energy. So if you're dreaming of like a train, you're dreaming of change. You're dreaming of like you're getting, you know, you're changing. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that you're changing your personality. And so that today is our review of uh, the, uh, this is our review of the podcast, uh, Coffee and Books. And like I said, today's book is Man and the Symbols by Carl Jung. Um, again, I uh, apologize if I mispronounce any names or places, or if, if you are a, you know, a psychologist out there, just let me know. Anyway, just want to say uh, thank you again for liking and sharing, and please review.